Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. Also, if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, now it's time to get into our show. Today, we have Jake Gardner here with us. Jake, thanks for being here. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Before we head into the interview, here's a little bit about Jake. Jake is a successful entrepreneur starting his marketing technology firm seven years ago, which he just recently sold to a public company. As an investor, Jake focuses on finding unique projects in opportunity zones. In his newest venture, he works as the investor relations liaison for the St. George Opportunity Zone Fund. Great stuff, and we can't wait to take a deeper dive into your passive portfolio. So Jake, could you please take it from here and tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Yeah, sure. So thank you very much for the introduction. You know, I've been an entrepreneur for actually, I think it's nine years now. I started in advertising technology in 2007 as the last crisis started to hit. I made my first passive investment in real estate in 2009 as we were really going through the last crisis. And as you said, I sold my business in advertising technology about eight months ago and then decided to go into real estate and the fund world, specifically in opportunity zones, about four or five months ago right as the new crisis is starting to hit. Right. It sounds like great timing on both parts. (laughs) I guess it depends on how you look at it, really. So today we're going to focus um, a little bit on passive investing and then hear about your Opportunity Zone Fund as well. But so tell us about your first passive investment and how you got involved. You mentioned it was 2009. Let's get some more details on that. Yeah, sure. So it was 2009. I must have been 23 or 24 at the time. The world was kind of collapsing, or at least in the United States. And then uh, I was talking to my dad, who was an immigration attorney. He saw an ad in the newspaper with a very creative financing available, some kind of mortgage-backed security. Again, it was 2009. We had already been going through the crisis. And he asked me if I wanted to participate. And I was like, tell me some more information. So we actually purchased a bunch of homes down in Austin, Texas. And we had some really creative and excellent financing. I think it was like 3% down. And then we got another financing on that 3%. And so we purchased about five homes uh, in Texas. And I'm based in LA. I was based in New York at the time. And um, my dad was based in LA. And we, we went to Texas. He went to Texas maybe four or five times over the last 10 years. So once every two years. I've been to Texas one time. So that, that was my first investment in passive investment, specifically in real estate. Got it. And so was that investment um, like a turnkey provider or were these kind of fix-ups, uh, burr strategy type of investments? We didn't make it turnkey or we, it wasn't turnkey, but we made it turnkey. Most of the houses were in pretty good shape. So we were able to rent them. We were working with a, with a local broker. We were able to rent them within the first, I guess, six weeks. 
with some maintenance, nothing too in depth in terms of, of, of fixing things up. But you know, it was pretty, it was pretty like standard. Hey, we bought a house, let's rent it out. Let's get the cash flow going. Yep. Looking back now, I'm guessing 2009 was probably a decent time to get started investing passively, if, especially if you did it continuously over the next 10 years. So what was the most important thing you learned from this first passive investment? The most important thing I learned, and it was probably the biggest mistake we, we made, was we didn't scale. Right? So we had a discussion. And what I didn't understand was you know, the five homes, it looked really good. I think each home was anywhere from $100,000 to $200,000 which didn't bring in a lot of cash flow. It brought in some cash flow and we were kind of counting on the appreciation. What I learned was like, we could have done this and should have done this with 100 or 200 homes because the market was pretty soft. In Austin, things were starting to get, to get rolling. And again, in 2009, it was, you know, Austin, Texas was still pretty hot. You know, over the last 10 years, it's, it's become hotter that I didn't even know that was possible. But, but that, that was the biggest thing I needed to understand was scale. And how do I scale appropriately? Was that more a mindset thing of, hey, you know, buying 100, 200 homes is something that maybe is unattainable for me? Or was it more, hey, the market's just starting to come back, we're still unsure and uncertain of what the future holds, so we're going to buy a couple at a time? Mindset, 100% of mindset. You know, I was kind of early in my career. And again, this was like a side gig for my dad and I. My dad, like, was a full-time attorney. I had, you know, I was out of school for two years and was looking to, to build my job. And, you know, my dad mentioned it, hey, you know, we could probably raise some money and you know, buy a bunch of homes. And I, was, eh, I don't know. And then, you know, what, what I've kind of learned as an entrepreneur is scale is, is appropriate scale is, is critical. Right? And whether I'm in a business or you know, running an agency or running, running a real estate uh, company, appropriate scale is what I really kind of strive for. You know, if you can, if you scale too quickly, things break a lot faster. If you scale too close, slowly, you don't get what you really want, like the right cash flow. But if you can scale appropriately, and what I mean by that is building the appropriate systems, it's a real recipe for success. Yeah, well said, well said. So from a passive investor's perspective, what's your philosophy on diversification and how are you diversified throughout your portfolio? Yeah, so I look at it at my diversification in three different buckets. I don't do any stock market investing. I look at insurance, life insurance, gold, and then real estate. And I use those three things as a kind of repeatable thing. I try and put as much money as I can into all three of those and then figure out a way to leverage them and hopefully grow and, and it's more of a slower growth trajectory and I kind of use those three different asset classes to grow my wealth versus trying to get big hit incomes. And what I mean by that is gold appreciation is not going to, it's not going to jump 30 to 40% in a year. My real estate passive holdings are not going to jump 30 to 40% in a year. And my life insurance is not going to jump like that. I'm looking for five to 8% returns on a yearly basis. And so hopefully over a long period of time, I should be able to, to kind of grow my wealth um, and, you know, pass that on to my kids. Yep. The long game is the way to go for sure. Now, how about real estate specifically? Do you look to diversify within real estate, whether by asset class or uh, geography? No, I don't. I look at cool deals or interesting deals to me. I like multifamily a lot, obviously. Commercial is interesting and I'm sure we can talk 
about what's going on right now and why that's a good or bad strategy. I'm not a huge fan of single family homes, but you know, that's a, another interesting asset class, but I don't kind of like say, Hey, I'm just going to focus on this kind of uh, investment. Most of the reason is due to the fact that I'm not as, it's not my, well, it's, it hasn't been my day to day job, right? I wasn't like a fix and flipper. I wasn't a specific multifamily person, but as an investor, like if I look at an investment and it looks like a good return, I'm going to invest in that, in that business, whether it's a real estate business or just a regular business. Okay. Got it. So obviously, as you kind of mentioned over the last couple of months, the market's starting to shift. It's still a little bit early uh, when recording this in uh, the end of June right now on what's going to happen with COVID. But what's your sentiment right now on investing in commercial real estate and why? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Again, I live in Los Angeles. It's difficult for me to say I'm excited about investing in Los Angeles for a variety of reasons. COVID being one of them. I used to live in New York City. Also difficult for me to say, hey, this is a really good way to, a good place to invest. Mostly due to the government regulations. You know, other, other areas I think are exciting because people still have to have a roof over their home. When I was a young kid, uh, I have a friend who's, a, who, he's a, he's an attorney and he represented one of the biggest real estate developers in Los Angeles. And the one lesson that this guy said was, Every, there's a new family every day in America and they all need a roof over their head. And so, you know, people need to put place, put things in places. That's one storage. People need to live places and put roofs over their head. So, you know, finding the deals is going to be difficult, but I think it's a, I think it's an excellent asset class for people to, to grow their wealth long, long, over a long period of time. How about certain markets now with COVID? You mentioned two markets that you probably wouldn't invest in or are not exciting to you. How about some markets that may be more exciting to you now with COVID? Yeah, sure. So when I'm taking a look at markets, you know, we run the St. George Opportunity Zone Fund. So St. George, which is a couple hours out of Vegas, it's a smaller type of town. Still, you know, retirees are going there. I really like that town. I like secondary and tertiary markets. When I look at the marketplace and I look at how people and where people are going to live, I'm looking at space. I'm looking at space and how much money I can get for that space. You know, in Los Angeles, a million dollars for a home is not going to get you a lot of space in specific areas. If you look at secondary markets, a million dollars goes much, much further. You know, as I mentioned, we have some property down in, in Austin, Texas. A million dollar home is, is going to be a, light, a nice home for people. Right, you know, spending three or four thousand dollars a month on a on a an apartment is going to get you a very very nice apartment in secondary markets. You know, in New York City, you know, we spent quite a bit of money on our on our apartment, and it was small. It was really small. And we moved to Los Angeles. We doubled the size of our apartment. The rent was still the same, but like moving from seven hundred and fifty square feet to fifteen hundred square feet, to me, it was like, wow, we're in a mansion now. To most people, it's like, it's a small place still. So I think, you know, your dollar goes a, a much, much further in those secondary markets. That's exciting. And I think people are going to start to think about that when they're looking at, all right, well, where do I want to raise my family, right? Do I want space for my, for my family? Do I want space for my kids? And, you know, with working from home, I think that can be attainable. 
Yeah. You have a business background in general, not just in real estate as well. Where do you see the most opportunity coming out of all this COVID, you know, whether it's in multifamily real estate or in, in general, just uh, from a business perspective? From a business perspective, you know, it, to me, it's a crisis. And this, there's two things that people can do during a crisis. They can, you know, shelter down or they can expand. It's hard to expand during a crisis. It's scary to expand during a crisis. That's usually what's required, though, if for, for companies to really survive and thrive, in, in my opinion. And, you know, my feeling is that there's going to be plenty of people who are going to see great opportunities and, and figure out a way to survive. I think the last five years, my, my business and my business partners and I worked at a company that was doing success financially, financially well, the company was, but, you know, personally, we put all of our dollars back into the business. And we were in a constant survival mode, right? And when you can thrive or you can succeed in a survival mode, it, to me, it's a, it's a recipe for being successful in any kind of mode. So again, it's, it's a scary world out there right now. Again, we're in June. Things are slowly starting to open up. Who knows what's going to go ha- happen? I think, you know, if, if I'm thinking about how do I expand my business or how do I survive, how do I take care of my business and be able to provide valuable services to my to my customers, whether it's in real estate, whether it's in a business, I think that's going to be a recipe for success. So you're an investor liaison for an OZ fund that Lolita mentioned earlier. So today more than ever, I think investor relations is so important just from communication standpoint, right? So tell us what your responsibilities are and kind of how you're separating yourself from others out there in the same role. Yeah, sure. So in our Opportunity Zone Fund, we are focused on a specific area in Southern Utah and St. George. And my goal is to educate investors. And the reason I say educate is because the Opportunity Zone program is a new program or newer program. And whether you have sold a business or got into the stock market and sold your stocks, or even if you were in real estate, you needed to do a 1031 exchange. There's a lot of different rules and regulations and nuances that are critical for, I think, investors to understand. You know, when, when I sold my business, it was really exciting. And then I got on the phone with my accountant and then it got really not exciting. <laughs> you know, and then after talking to a couple of different types of people in the space, in the OZ space, other types of founders who have sold their company, you know, I came across Opportunity Zones and started to understand, like, this is a exciting way for us to kind of have community and social impact, but also to, for investors to kind of save money on taxes and going through that and understanding and starting to learn a little bit more about the program. There's so much going on in there. There's so many, so much support from communities, local communities, as well as government communities, the government, the federal government. It's just a very exciting thing, but most people don't understand it or don't know about it. Yeah. So without getting into the weeds on it, high level, can you talk about what an Opportunity Zone fund is or an Opportunity Zone? Yeah, sure. So Opportunity Zones were a part of the 2017 Tax Reform Act. It's a way for economically depressed communities to get get investors and rehab their communities. And for investors, it's a a way to defer capital gains from the sale of business, uh, stocks, or real estate. And they're able to defer their gains. They're able to get a step up in their cost basis and 
um, they're able to, uh, if they keep the money in the fund, they're able to eliminate their capital gains by investing in these communities. Yeah, well said. And, and, you know, the biggest difference between this and a 1031 exchange, obviously with a 1031 exchange, it's got to be like kind. So typically you cannot sell your stocks and go into an OZ fund or real estate or sell a business and go into real estate without paying the taxes. That's the greatest part about the OZ is you can, you don't have to go like kind. You can go stocks to real estate and business sell like yours, sell your business and go into real estate. So yeah, it's an awesome opportunity for sure. Anything else you'd like to tell us about an o, your OZ fund? that uh, people should know? Yeah, so, so our Opportunity Zone Fund and many are, there's many popping up. I did a deep dive into Opportunity Zones. You know, for our fund, we're, we have a project, right? It's, there's a lot of funds out there that are developing their pipeline and working on their pipeline. We happen to have a fund with a project going on, but my partners have been in real estate for the last 25 years, so they, they know the nuances and know what they're doing. Uh, you know, I, I'm as an investor, just kind of like, let's put my money in and let's get a return. Um, they actually know, you know, hey, we've got to make sure the tenants pay on time. And, you know, this is the construction and stuff like that. So just as a side note, I just came from a virtual Opportunity Zone conference. And there's just a lot of excitement around that program. And it's just, to me, it's, it's an interesting way to give back to the community as well as for investors in any kind of asset class within, within uh, real estate to make a social impact and to, to help them succeed. Yeah. Awesome. So what have you learned from being a passive investor to now, you know, that you're using to your advantage as an investor relations liaison? I think it's about listening, you know, listening to what the goals of the investor are. Uh, I was just on the phone with a friend of mine and I was like, Hey, you know, we have, I have this new opportunity zone fund. She's like, well, listen, I have a certain amount of money. I have like $25,000 to, to invest. What should I invest? In? Does she have capital gains? That would be my first question. What are the goals of, of the investment? Does she need the capital back very quickly? Right? How long is the wait time? Right? These are all different questions that me as an investor, I'd like people who are advising me to ask, right? What are the goals? Right? Not, hey, you should invest in my fund, right? So for my friend, she didn't have capital gains. She was looking for a much higher return that I could potentially give her. Right? She was looking for some kind of a, of a riskier investment. Listen, it's not the right time, but let me provide you with some, some other opportunities here, right? And so that really helps me out as investor relations because I know from the investor standpoint, there's so many things going on. There's so many different types of deals. It's, it's very, very difficult to kind of, if you don't know what you're doing, and even if you do know what you're doing, it's very difficult to figure out like, this is a good deal or not a good deal. And then there, there's the risk profile around it, right? And, and for me, when I'm looking at real estate versus going into the stock market, it's very exciting to, you know, buy the dip and things, see things going up. It's not very exciting when things go down. And so when I take a look at passive investing, specifically in multifamily, you know, most people pay their rent or most of the, most of the investments when I invest in multifamily, they pay their rent on time, right? If they can't, you know, we try and get them to pay their rent. And it's just a nice, slow growing, consistent kind of investment. So that, yep. that's what I'm thinking about is, is how do I achieve the goals of the investor that helps me? 
Yeah, that's so important. And I love that you said that because it's, you know, you really start with no knowing, liking and trusting your sponsor, the person that's running the deal. And then you look at the deal and you want to make sure that your sponsor or the person advising you is looking out for your best interest. It's not about, hey, invest in my deal, invest in my deal. It's listening to what the investor needs and then coming to the conclusion whether it is the right deal for them or not. And if it's not, we can put you in another deal with someone else and find you the right, you know, investment that you're looking for. But it's not all about your deal. And I love that you said that. We've been chatting for, I think, two or three years now. I think we've been texting and, and you know, saying, to me, it's about growing my network, right? So again, being kind of new in the real estate world as an active participant, I want to hear about other people's deals. And like you said, might not be the right deal for, for my investor now, but if I can make them money with, with my friend, that's great. If, I, if they can make money with me, that's also great. Yep, exactly. All right, Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by asset protection attorney, Wayne Patton. We all spend a lot of time thinking about ways to make more money but how much time have you spent thinking about legal strategies to protect your wealth? Whether you're a professional, an investor, or an entrepreneur, you are at risk of being targeted in a lawsuit. Wayne is an attorney who specializes only in asset protection strategies, like the use of offshore trusts. If you'd like to learn more about how you can protect your assets, visit mwpadden.com or assetprotection.law. Mention this podcast and Wayne will waive his customary $750 initial consultation fee. Again, the website is mwpatten.com or assetprotection.law. Or you can call Wayne at 877-727-1092. Call now and get protected today. All right, Jake, what is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Okay, right now it's LinkedIn. Awesome. And uh, now you touched on scaling a little earlier, but can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Looking and figuring out how to scale and put more money into longer term investing. Right? As a younger person, you don't really think about retirement and you don't think about compound and long-term growth, but there will be a five years from now. There will be a 10 years from now. There will be a 20 years from now. So, you know, it doesn't have to be everything, but it, you know, a small portion of starting to slowly grow that portfolio can expand really, really exponentially. Good advice. What is that that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Right now I'm just looking to expand and meet more people and whether that's, you know, it's, I don't know if it's more difficult. It's just different in terms of, and, you know, I can't get on a plane and I can't go meet a lot of people for coffee, but, you know, doing podcasts, reaching out to people on LinkedIn, doing Zoom calls, doing conf virtual conferences. That's what I'm working on right now. Great. And finally, Jake, where can people find out more about you? You can check out my, our website, the St. George, or it's St. George Opportunity Zone Fund.com. You can email me, Jake at St. George Opportunity Zone Fund.com. And I'm also on Instagram at Bespoke Entrepreneur. Great. Congrats on all your success so far. And thank you for sharing your journey with us today, Jake. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on, Jake. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. 
You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to limitless-estates.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode. Oh,